Thank you, Angie and Angie's dog, <laughs> making an appearance there. If you have your Bibles with you today, please turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. We continue in this series, and uh, today's message is entitled, The Word of God. And uh, we see an individual by the name of Ezra jump on the scene here, and he's going to bring a vital piece to this city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. Uh, you have the rebuilding of the temple by a guy named Zerubbabel. You have this rebuilding of the wall by a guy named Nehemiah. But there's something that is way more important than buildings and walls, and it's God's Word moving in our hearts and our lives. And you see Nehemiah, uh, he is now done with his wall project, and you see Ezra enter in to the picture here, and uh, a really neat move of God, and that's what we're going to be breaking down and recognizing that this is God's Word, um, and just the fact that the message today is entitled that. I have a short video to play before we pray and get into the message, so uh, let's go ahead and play that video clip. The Word of God, the Bible, is the story of God. And every week when we open it here, we're not simply opening a book to be read. We're opening a life to be lived. It speaks of God's heart toward his creation, and it tells of creation's response back to him. Its words are alive because its author is alive. Its message is active and sharp because its words are timeless and piercing. We're turning pages that not only help us discover ancient people, but pages where we find ourselves discovered at every turn. There is nothing routine or ordinary about this moment because the Word of God is anything but ordinary or routine. So as these next few moments unfold, we pray that you respond in the exact way that God is inviting you to respond, whatever that looks like. We pray that the two-dimensional pages become fully dimensional as we uncover its truth together. And we pray this in the name of the God who is redeeming it all for his glory and who's given us this book that is so much more than a book. Let's go ahead and pray before we begin to read. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word and how you continue to guide us and lead us by the instructions that you give. Thank you for this series in Nehemiah. And as we continue to walk through this book, Father, I pray you do mighty things in our midst. Lord, open up our eyes, open up our hearts to receive your word today. And I pray, Father, that you would use me to speak your heartbeat. May I be an open vessel to your spirit at work. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us right now in a very powerful and real and special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's dig in. This is Nehemiah 8. I'm actually going to back us up one verse in Nehemiah 7. 
um, kind of ends a little bit uh, disjointed uh, with chapter 7, but in 7, verse 73, the Bible says, In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, then verse 1, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. And all the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Masiah, and to his left stood Pedaiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshalem. Now Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people, and when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalata, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festival meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's word and understood them. On October 9th, the family leaders of all the people, together with the priests and Levites, met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in greater detail. As they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem 
telling the people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were to use these branches to make shelters in which they would live during the festival as prescribed in the law. So the people went out and they cut branches and they used them to build shelters on the roofs of their houses. In their courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival, and they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days of the festival. Then on the eighth day, they had a solemn assembly as was required by the law. Pretty cool stuff going on here you start to see something happening in the hearts of these people. God's Word is opened. It's read. People are starting to weep as they understand what God's Word is saying. And in the midst of that, they throw a celebration. The leaders get together. They, they study the Word deeper, and they realize there's something in our history that we aren't observing we need to go out and get all these items to be able to truly celebrate this Feast of Tabernacles, this celebration, this festival of shelters. And so then the people go out and they get the supplies that they need. And then they begin this eight-day festival, seven days of which God's Word is continually read to these people. There's a move of God happening that... You have this temple, you have this wall, but now you have God's Word going forth with great power. And I'll just say this, you can have all the infrastructure you want as far as tangible things, the building, the wall, but when it comes to God's Word, that is the most important thing that you could have in your life. I want to break down a few things in regards to God's Word with this passage and the first one is, I observe this readiness from the people. And maybe you notice this as well. But one of the things is, in verse 1, it says, All the people assembled with a unified purpose. They were there to hear God's Word. That's something that we do every Sunday. And I realize this whole COVID season has sort of put a little bit of a kink in that. And uh, we're not necessarily a full house like we've normally been. But in the midst of this, it is important to come to a place where you can hear God's Word. And I'm so thankful for our online ministry and how it's reaching people right now. And for those who maybe aren't able to come into the building, this is a way to bless you. But there is something about coming to the building and sitting under God's Word with the people around you. These people came, and they were unified. We want to hear from God. This is really cool. The other thing is, is I notice that there's all ages. It says women and men and children that would be old enough to understand. They were all there, ready, attentive. And then in verse 3, I notice this. From early morning until noon. You know, this is an 8.30 service, so kudos to you, early birds. 
I don't know if 8.30 was early for uh, Ezra and the gang, but I tell you, if we rolled this service all the way to noon, how'd you feel about that? You know, we live in this culture that's just like a microwave culture, right? Give me what I need right now, boop, 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 and then a minute later, we've got it. These people were just like, Lord, pour it out. We want this. And all morning long, there they are. And then this is what it says also. They listened closely. They were, they were leaning in. There was a readiness about this. I have a few items today to sort of illustrate a few things. Now, it's baseball season. It's softball season. And so I brought this, uh, this glove. Now, I used to coach baseball back in the day. And um, one of the things we would tell our infielders is down and ready. Right? Now, if you've got that peewee level... They're great uh, players to help weed the uh, infield, you know. They're maybe picking grass, and then all of a sudden the ball gets hit their direction. And the reason why we say down and ready is so that when the ball comes their way, they're down and they're ready for whatever's going to come their direction. And I think for us, as followers of Christ, we ought to have the same posture when it comes to God's Word. I hope that you came today or tuned in today ready to hear from God. Not just, oh, here we go, I suppose I better go or I better tune in. It's what I should do, right? I hope that you came in an attitude and a posture of saying, God, I'm ready. I want to hear from you. So that whatever's hit your direction, you're ready to receive that. And these people, they were ready to receive. The next thing I notice is there's a respect for God's Word. First off, when Ezra stands on this platform, in verse 5, he says, when he opened the book, everybody stood to their feet. There was a respect in this place for God's Word. Ezra opens it up, and you talk about that readiness, but there was also that respect that this is an important thing. God's Word means something. When Ezra reads, we're going to hear from the Lord. There's a respect there. And there's also a respect from the other side, if you will, from the leaders. In verse 8, it says, They read from the book of the law of God, and they clearly explained the meaning of what was being read. And it was helping people understand. And so the people respected God's Word but also those who were preaching and teaching. And my heartbeat is that as I read God's Word and I bring it to you each week, whether I'm preaching or I'm teaching or I'm drafting an email that goes out to the congregation, is there's, there's this respect that God's Word is the most important aspect of my ministry. I could get up here as I preach, I could tell you a joke. I could make you laugh, you know, feel good, those kinds of things. You know, I'm all for having a good time, but one of the most important things I need to do when I stand up here is bring you God's Word and help you to understand it. There's a respect that preachers and teachers must have for the Word of God. And sadly, there are many churches in our culture today that have left this. And they have brought other things to the pulpit. And what's happening is, is the power 
and the activity of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is now gone. But God's Word, it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, it's inspired, it's infallible, and I'm going to preach from it. And my hope, my desire is that the Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts as we read from God's Word, just like what happened here with Ezra and the Israelites. There's a respect for God's Word. The next thing that I notice is there's a recognition. Okay? There's a readiness, there's a respect, and then as the Word is being read, the Holy Spirit begins to stir in people's hearts, and they recognize things from His Word. You'll notice this in several instances. In verse 9 it says, The people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And if you've ever had that moment when God's Word is being read or it's being expounded upon, and it's like there's just something in that message that was exactly for you. You've ever been there. I know I've been there. And sometimes as I prepare messages, I'm like, oh man, this is, this is like for me. If I didn't even preach this, this had an impact in my life. But that moment where it feels like we're the only ones in the room as God's Word is being delivered. But you also notice that in verse 12, they celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and they understood them. And for me, it's, it's like this aspect of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is active. And it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when you... Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When salvation comes into your life, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. So you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about how God's wisdom is not the world's wisdom. And the Holy Spirit reveals things to His people that the world will not understand. And I don't know about you, but I know in my journey of life, before I truly surrendered everything, there were times where it was a struggle to understand and grasp what was in God's Word. But when the Holy Spirit came into my life, it's like a light bulb went on. And it's like as I'm reading, I'm going, oh, that's what that means. That's how I apply that into my life. And these people, they were having that kind of moment too. It's like as the Word was being read, the light bulb was going off. They were recognizing what they needed to do. They were weeping. They were understanding. They were realizing what this meant. And I don't know if you can relate with that. Maybe that moment or that season in life where it seemed like the light bulb went off for you spiritually when God's Word seemed to come alive. But I'm telling you, once that moment happens, it is going to be that way for the rest of your life. When you experience God's Word in that way, it changes you because it's supernatural. The next thing I notice from the folks is not just this recognition, but also a response. It's one thing to sit here and listen to a message, 
and go, oh, hey, that applies to my life. You know, there's things that, that are, are happening there, but it's a whole nother thing to actually respond. You know, James talks about how we shouldn't just listen to God's Word. We should do what it says. And if you don't do what the Word says, he says you're fooling yourself. You're a fool. It's like I showed up to church, I listened to God's Word, but there wasn't any application, any meaning for me as I walk out these doors. You are fooling yourself. That's what the Scriptures say. But when you start to apply God's Word into your life, things begin to happen. You'll notice one of the first responses in verse 6. They shout, Amen, Amen, as they're praising. And then the Bible says they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Romans 12 talks about how as we offer our lives as living sacrifices to the Lord, that is our form of worship. And so it's not like, hey, God, you're just going to slice off an hour here on Sunday, and that's yours. Worship is your entire life. It's not just singing a few songs. That's praise. But worship is so much deeper, and it's how you live your life day in and day out in response to God. In verse 16, when the leaders met and they realized this Feast of the Tabernacles, the people responded when they gave them instruction to go build these shelters. In verse 16, it says, The people went out. They went out to go get this stuff. It wasn't like they heard the instruction and then they ignored it. They heard the instruction and then they began to apply it. And my final little illustration here, how many of you enjoy painting? Okay, Personally, I do because it feels like that's something in my life where there's progress, right? At least the first coat anyways. Then after that, somebody else can come in and do the second coat, okay? So when it comes to paint, if I bought a can of paint, had it mixed up, all of that, I'm prepared, I show up, and I'm ready to paint, if I don't open this, it's not going to happen. And so we open up the can of paint, I'm so strong, I didn't even need to pry that thing open. So, we open up the can of paint, just like we opened up God's Word. Okay? I, I'm looking at it. I mean, there it is. I can smell it even. You know, I recognize what's going on here. This is paint. Okay? Is the wall going to get painted simply with just me looking at it and with it being open? You know, the only way that room is going to get painted is if I take this brush or a roller and I dip it in there and then I begin to paint the wall. The paint is only useful when it's applied. And I'm not saying God's Word is only useful when it's applied, but one of the things as far as the reality of God's Word in your life, it's useful when it's applied. And so we must apply it. We must hear from God and then apply God's words into our life. The last thing I see is a renewal happening. 
So you see these people, they're, they're ready for God's Word. There's a respect for God's Word. They're recognizing things that need to happen in their life. They begin to respond. But then God begins to do a renewal in these people. Verse 17 and 18. Everyone, everyone who had returned from captivity, they lived in these shelters. It's like they're observing God's Word again. And then it says they were filled. They were all filled with great joy. I mean, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And as you're just taking in God's Word, there's this deep-rooted joy that takes place in your life. Then in verse 18, Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven dates. I mean, there's momentum here now. Let's get this fest like they have a camp meeting almost. And for seven days, he reads God's word. And then the eighth day, they hold this solemn assembly. And this festival of shelters or this feast of tabernacles, this festival like all feasts, was instituted by God, and it was a way of reminding the Israelites from every generation of their deliverance by God from Egypt. Now, I want you to think about this. These Israelites have come back to Jerusalem to reestablish that they had been in captivity, and here they are observing the Feast of the Tabernacles. And as they're doing so, they had to go, man, This just has a whole new meaning for me now. I was in captivity. I've been set free and delivered. And there's this renewal. What's interesting with the Feast of the Tabernacles, Solomon's temple was dedicated to the Lord during the Feast of the Tabernacles. So you see the temple, if you will, the house of the Lord. It was also the Feast of the Tabernacles here where we see the Israelites gathered together to hear Ezra proclaim the Word of God to them. And Ezra's preaching resulted in great revival as the Israelites confessed their sin and they repented of them. Next Sunday's message you do not want to miss. We're going to be talking about revival and history of revival here in our own nation. And I'm telling you, there's some things that were given to me a number of years ago that talk about revival that happened over 100 years ago in our area. But as God's word goes forth with power, this revival begins to happen. And it was also during the Feast of the Tabernacles that Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I see those things, I think, God says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's Word brings revival into your life. You bring God's Word into your life. God's Word is two things. It's the Scriptures, and it's Jesus. So the temple, then, if you will, we receive God's Word, and then, as Jesus says, you have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through your life. I think how powerful that is 
when God is on the move as you're trying to live out His Word in your life. I want you to watch this video as we close this morning. It's meant to be opened, explored, pursued. It's made to be read, reread, applied, and used. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, with wisdom, life-changing, to lead us on. It's made for guidance, to teach us His ways, showing what's true, right, and worthy of praise. It's meant to be hidden deep in our hearts, daily examined as the morning starts. No greater glimpse of God do we have, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. As we close this message today, I just simply ask the question each week, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? You know, and those, those things that I touched on, you know, these people were ready to hear from the Lord. They had a respect for God's Word. There was this recognition that was happening as they were reading it or hearing it. They were understanding it. So there's this recognition, there's this response, right? We're not just going to listen to this, but we're actually going to apply it into our life. And then God begins to do something. There's a renewal in our own lives. And if all of us embrace that, listen to me, there's a renewal that happens within the church. There's a renewal that happens in communities, in areas, and we're going to see how this happens as we continue to break this down. But there's a reality of this for 2020. How's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Do we need to, to work on being more ready to receive, to have that hunger, that almost leaning in, if you will, as they listened closely? Do we lean in? Do we have a respect for it? Is this a part of our day? Do we take time or are there other things that maybe we have more respect for? And that, that sounds kind of sharp, if you will, but it's, it's truth. There's things that we allow to take precedence over his word. And as we're reading, are you understanding? And if you're not, I ask you to pray and just ask the Lord, help me to understand. Show me things in your word that I can begin to respond to. And then respond to his word and watch God do some amazing things. And lastly, I just note that as revival takes place, it's when people realize their need for Jesus. And maybe you're someone that's listening right now and, 
and in your life you know he's not been a part of the equation I want to invite you today to consider what would it look like to receive him into your life the Bible says that we're all sinners here's the thing God created you for a relationship with him but sin separates you from him but he brought the answer when God the Father sent his son Jesus to come to this earth and to take your sin upon the cross and to pay the penalty and the price for that sin and when he rose again from the dead it proves that he has the power over sin and death now some people believe it just stops right there like God did it I'm good to go but here's the truth you have to do something about that you have a responsibility now to respond to the reality of what Jesus has done and you place your faith and your trust in him for the forgiveness of your sin and God and your relationship are restored will you bow your heads with me as we pray Father we thank you so much for your word and how you teach us you guide us and you lead us help us Lord in our journey I pray that there would be a deeper reverence and respect for your word. And Lord, help us. Help us to live lives in worship and response to your instruction. And Lord, I pray you'd pour out your spirit and begin a renewal in each of our lives, in our church, in our community, in our area. And Father, for anyone listening right now that has not reconciled the sin issue in their life and they need Jesus and perhaps the Holy Spirit has brought you to a place where you want to respond in His direction today. I want to lead you in this prayer. Just simply pray with me quietly in your heart and just say, Jesus... Today I come to you. I'm a sinner in need of salvation. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. And I place my faith and trust in the work that you did on the cross, knowing that you have paid the penalty and the price for my sin. Today I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I ask that he would come and live in my life and be my Lord and my Savior. We thank you now for this gift of salvation. And we lift this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're somebody who prayed with me today to receive Christ, I want to encourage you to consider a resource we have here called Now What? It's a book designed to help you with the next steps in your faith journey. If you're here in person, these are available at the welcome desk. You're free to grab one on your way out. It comes with a Bible. 
And if you're watching with us online right now, you can go to faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what. There's an electronic copy of this book. And if you'd like a free Bible, just indicate that on that page and we'll send one to you.